KXNO. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. Right, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Miller and Condon on a Friday. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Trent Condon and myself, Ken Miller, take you up until noon as we talk a whole lot of sports on the program uh, here today. Portions of the first hour of the program brought to us by our friends at Fiscus Jewelers in Ankeny, where they're giving away $500 diamond rings for Mother's Day. All you have to do, audience, is go to KXNO.com. Upload a picture of you and your mom, and you are automatically entered to win. Simple as that. Mother's Day is when? A week from Sunday? A week from Sunday. May 10th is the day. It's getting down there. And, you know, if your kids are not going to school right now, preschool, daycare, whatever it may be, you know, the teachers always do a good job. Hey, this is for mom. Oh, yeah. You got to think a little bit more. In fact, uh, that. Right. Fiscus Jewelers uh, gave me an idea, some things that I need to be doing for my wife for Mother's Day. Well, you can check them out online as well. FiscusDiamond.com. F-I-S-C-U-S. FiscusDiamond.com. Again, your chance to win $500 diamond earrings. Just go to KXNO.com and enter a picture of you and your mom to win. Uh, so uh, a week from Sunday, Mother's Day, 10th of May, file that away. You know, you and I and Chris Williams were supposed to be in Louisville this week. Yes, we were. In fact, I was talking about that with my wife just last night. Be in Louisville, be uh, getting ready for the Derby. You'd probably be on your way home I would now. be at the airport yeah. this morning. Coming back on Friday. Coming back on Friday. The Oaks Day is, is Friday. and uh, God, God forbid you stay around for the race. I've been. I've seen it. I've done it a couple, done it a couple of times and scratched off my list and... Uh, much more comfortable in Ankeny, as I think you'll find out when you do get to the event. The the and and, and hopefully, listen, fingers crossed, we get to go back next year. But yeah. uh, but anyways, uh, that what's uh, what might have been and it isn't. So what will be is our program here today. In the next few minutes, uh, we've done all. F- well, three of the four local teams, we've recapped the Vikings draft, likewise with the Packers, likewise with the Chiefs. We'll finish up with the Bears today. Jeff Hughes, TheBearsBlog.com, uh, will join us in about five minutes or so. Take a look back at the uh, at the Bears draft. You know, one leftover from yesterday, and we had Ted Glover on. When talking about the Vikings draft, you know, I usually stop with their first, what is it, their first five picks, and, and um, you know, Lynch and their, what was that, their second, first, second, fourth rounder. But Troy Dye's a guy I forget about. He, the linebacker from Oregon, mm-hmm. he led Oregon in tackles all four years. It's a guy that's productive. Yeah, I'll say. You know, might not have the measurables, but I, those kind of players, not, not all will pop, but right. guys that are just consistently good throughout their collegiate career. I think of Zach Thomas, who fell yeah. went to the third round right. Texas Tech. out of Texas Tech, and he was mm-hmm. just everywhere. He, well, he's 5'9". Mm-hmm. That's why he fell. But right. he's still going to be able to be – you can still tackle. You don't have to be 6'2 to tackle. Right. You can be 5'9 so and get career. away with it. Boy, he was good. And and that's another one of those guys. Is he going to wow you? I'm probably mm-hmm. not. You know, Josie Jewell, I think you see that firsthand with your Broncos. Mm-hmm. There's some measurables that aren't at that elite Speed level. Speed is, yeah. his, is his knock. Yeah. But there's still a guy that can make plays. Yeah. Going to be a star? Eh, Nose maybe not. for the football. I think he's going to have a heck of a fight for his job. I believe he'll win, uh, but he's uh, this is going to be um, this is going to be a really difficult training camp for Josie Jewell. I think so. Um, we'll, we'll see. Look, he's a good player. It's, it's between the years that separates Josie Jewell from right. a lot of uh, the competition. But you're right. Zach Thomas is a perfect example of that. And Troy Dye uh, may not have the measurables. 
See the fact that he led Oregon in tackles all four years and falls to the fourth round. Anyways, we'll do the Bears coming up here in about five minutes. A lot of news coming out of the Hawkeyes, both football and basketball. Fran McCaffrey had a Zoom uh, press conference yesterday. Uh, you know, again, hats off for them for doing these type of Absolutely. things. Um, it, it's content. Everybody wants to, you know, Hawkeye fans want to know about it, uh, about what's going on with their football and their basketball programs. Ference has been a part of one. McCaffrey yesterday. You know, my biggest takeaway was, look, I, Jack Nungy, great. Luke Garza, fine. Bohan, fine. Patrick McCaffrey's the story of that conference yesterday, for me anyways, because of the health scare. And apparently he's doing very well and is up over 200 pounds. So that was really good news. Um, as far as uh, the coach's uh, middle son, uh, Patrick McCaffrey, who is up over 200 pounds and on the mend. You know, it really sounds like this is a program, though Luca Garza is going through the process right now. You know, proximity, they're not close. They're not the same kind of workouts that you can normally have. Of course, no primetime league that's been off the board, regardless yeah. of the pandemic here the last couple of summers. But it does feel like going back to Wieskamp and his decision over the weekend not to even explore the NBA draft possibility and go through it. You know, it, it feels like that everything is there for the taking for this team. And expectations are as big as certainly we've seen in the frame They've of Caffrey. ever been. I, certainly since I've been on the air. Even the, the team with so. yeah. the Wrecker and Evans team yes. that came back, they were preseason like top 15. Right, but this is going to be a preseason top five. Top 10 for sure. Top 10 for sure, yeah. And, and I think that's probably where they're going to settle. Maybe that mm-hmm. 8 to 10 range, something Maybe. like that. But. I mean, with those expectations, the first regular season title since 1979. A Final Four hasn't happened since 1980. These are mm-hmm. the kinds of conversations that you're having with this team, with this program. And there's other, com- certainly, comments to get into and in talking about what basketball is going to look like What by the time we get to October and into February uh, by the end of the season. But overall, it's exciting to have this for Iowa basketball. It's how different. Things can change and how quickly they can change in college athletics. It's no, wild. No doubt about that. Alex Halstead will join us on Iowa State. They've made some news. Campbell continues to build a recruiting class. Uh, Steve Prohm's got some news. We'll get into that uh, with uh, with Alex Halstead coming up at 1045. We'll play uh, uh, Governor Reynolds' press conference at 11 o'clock. Of course, today being May the 1st, 77 counties have uh, somewhat opened up. Well, we will hear the uh, latest from the governor of the state of Iowa at 11. And then Randy Wayhofer, our final guest of the week from the Iowa Cubs. Of course, this goes back to the story that uh, came out a couple of days ago that minor league baseball is shutting down. Of course, it was quickly shot down. Remains to be seen what uh, what what kind of season the minor league teams will play. But here's the one thing that I'm very confident about, Trent. There are very few minor league teams that can afford to open up the ballpark if you're not allowed to have fans in the stands. Because this is different. There's no television contracts. Mm-hmm. No mega million dollar television contracts for minor league sports. I think the Wild are in the same boat. The Iowa Wild, uh, I think probably the Wolves are in the same boat. As uh, We know that the Barnstormers have already canceled their season. But if you don't have fans, uh, the minor league in Des Moines is a big minor league sports town, as yes. we know. Could be a little different here. And looking you know, towards the future, I read an article last night from the Star Tribune, Lavelle Neal. I had it, who's the beat writer for the Twins, and he was talking about the You're changes. He's on the beat a long time, too. Yes, he has. A Chicago guy. Up there in the Twin Cities, and he, you know, talked about the possibility. You know, does it make sense to have Rochester as your AAA team with all the shuffling that is going to happen mm-hmm. in minor league sports? Doesn't it make more sense to have St. Paul, yeah, be your AAA affiliate? Absolutely. And all right, we're going to call the guy up, and it's not a flight from Rochester, mm-hmm. New York. 
Again, you think Rochester, you think Rochester, Minnesota. No, this is Rochester, right. New York. Yes. That's their AAA affiliate. Even Rochester, Minnesota would make sense. That, that would make sense. a lot more sense. But St. Paul, great stadium. Uh-huh. Have you ever been there? Uh, no. The new stadium? No. It's named after a bank. I can't even think what bank it is, is it? but it, I've heard nothing but great things about so it. So who plays there? The Saints? The Saints, who are an independent league mm-hmm. team. But with the shuffling that is happening, the possibility of them moving up, becoming a minor league team, guy jumps on the light rail. There, near Target Field. <laughs> right. Simple as that. Pretty yeah. easy making the call up that way, as opposed to getting a guy flying in from Rochester, wherever they are in the International League. But there is going to be shuffling. The good news for us here on the local level with the Iowa Cubs, the shuffling that is going to happen is not going to impact the Iowa Cubs. It is, in terms of proximity, flights, getting from Des Moines to Chicago, or wherever it may be, it is very good. So I can't anticipate any way that that affiliation would go away with the shuffling. Could no, you? No, no, no. I don't think so either. No, I, I can't see it as well. I mean, no. I, I, I guess I haven't even thought of that, but no, I, I, I don't, because it's been such a uh, a great relationship for, for seemingly, anyways, yeah, yeah. from where from where, where we sit for both the parent club and, uh, and the AAA affiliates. So Randy Wayho for a slide on in here at 1130. We'll recap uh, Restaurant Radio before we get out of here at noon as well. But Jeff Hughes from the Bears blog coming up here momentarily. Look forward to catching up with Jeff again. Our final of the four local teams as we've gone around and done our best to uh, give the four local teams a kind of a recap and their fans that are out there listening and we're grateful to them for doing that a little 411 on uh, what guys that cover uh, those respective teams have thought about their draft again I thought that the uh, the Bears uh, being in the circumstances with uh, where they were to only have two picks um, in the no picks in the first round two picks in the second round thought they did very well and if you haven't done so already and you get a chance to find it on Twitter find it I don't know where else it would be maybe YouTube, but the Cole Komet call from both angles. You there's um, uh, Matt Nagy's wife is filming the Nagy mm-hmm. clan around the kitchen table when mm-hmm. they reach out, and there's a camera at the Komet household when he gets the call and it finally goes through. It's really good video, and I brought a tear to my eye. I'll be perfectly honest with you. Jeff Hughes to BearsBlog.com. He joins us. Uh, Jeff Trent Ken, thanks for coming on. I'm assuming you've seen the the Komet video of him getting the call, both receiving the call and then Nagy actually making the call. What a great piece of video, Jeff. And, and Cole Komet was not shy in the lead-up to this draft saying he wanted to be a Chicago Bear. And I started hearing overwhelmingly from people inside the organization that they were getting very excited as the first round went on and Cole Komet did not come off the board. And I floated it on Twitter that morning of the second round, second and third rounds, and said, how would you feel if, if the Bears take Komet at 43? Because what I was hearing was they, were, they weren't going to trade up. They, they were not going to give up future picks to go get him, but they were thrilled at 43 when he was on the board. He fits everything about they, what, what they want to do. He will be, uh, he will be a, an intense inline blocker. I would think by year two, a 50-catch-a-year guy. They see him as sort of a Jason Witten, Kyle Rudolph type. That's what I think he profiles as, uh, and he's going to add a little bit of toughness to the offensive line that desperately needs it. That they do. Now, nine, I think, tight ends currently on the roster. A couple of guys were cut. That's not tenable by any means. This tight end room, though, it's going to close up. Uh, nine. I, how do you even get through nine tight ends inside a receiver room, inside a position group room? It's just crazy to think about. Well, you know, I think what they did at tight end was sort of they flooded it. And, and Because you never know what you're going to get in the draft. You never know who's going to be available. 
So when they were able to get Cole Komet, now they're able to pare down the position and able to clear it out. Listen, Jimmy Graham is a tight end by definition alone. Jimmy, I block better than Jimmy Graham does. <laughs> and Jimmy Graham will be standing up. He'll be running. He still has speed. He's still a, a matchup nightmare for opponents. He was in the wrong offense in Green Bay. He will be in the right offense now in Chicago. So Jimmy Graham is essentially a receiver. The Bears liked some things they saw from J.P. Holtz last year. Uh, but I think you're going to see that it'll be Komet, it'll be Graham, and then it'll be a sort of a, a fight uh, for that fourth and fifth tight end spot. But they're, they're certainly not going to have nine on the roster when the season starts. So I would expect that this will get paired out pretty quickly. Uh, Jalen Johnson, their second pick in the second round, uh, a kid who plays his entire uh, final year at Utah with a uh, with an injury. So we, we know that he's tough. We know that he loves the game as he forewent uh, surgery uh, in order to be able to play the, uh, play the year. Uh, he's the 50th pick overall. He never would have been had he been completely healthy. Talent-wise, I think he's. there's no doubt in my my mind he's a he's a first day pick but there he was uh still on the board and an area of need in the quarterback position jeff and i think they've got a good one i do too and i think he is the day one starter from this draft uh i, I think the bears see him now as the day one starter from this draft there are some role players in this draft there are guys who will make an impact i think in 2020 but i think jalen johnson is the guy who right right off the bat day one is opposite kyle fuller in the starting lineup he just profiles, too, as the kind of corner a Chuck Pagano will like. Uh, he's tough on the outside. He will wrestle with, his, with the receivers. He will, he will bully the boundaries, one of the things I read about him uh, in one of the great scouting profiles. The way the Bears are built defensively now, quarterbacks simply are not going to have that much time to throw the ball. You're going to have Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn coming at quarterbacks. So if you can get a guy who's as tight in coverage as Jalen Johnson, he's going to have opportunities for interceptions. I think it's a steal at number 50, and I think you're right. I think if he, if he didn't suffer the shoulder injuries, this is a top 15, top 20 yep. pick. That's what the talent is. And listen, if he could play through it last year, the tape is good last year, and he played through it last year, so I expect him to be healthy, and I, I do. I expect him day one starter. Talk with Jeff Hughes as we take a look back at the Bears draft here. It's Miller and Condon on KXNO. No quarterback drafted for the fifth time in the six seasons of Ryan Pace running the draft. Now, of course, we know the season that he did draft a quarterback. It was Mitchell Trubisky moving up to number two. But I know limited picks here, but any surprise? Fifth round, Jake Fromm, he was still on the board at that point. Were you surprised they didn't go quarterback? I kind of wanted them to take Fromm uh, in that spot, but... but you know, one thing I sort of I've sort of debated with people is you still have to remember that that Mitch Trubisky is on this roster right now, and if you drafted a quarterback, say in the in the fifth round, like a Jake Fromm, how does the quarterback room work? Are you keeping three on your roster every week? I don't think the Bears want to do that. Are you then going to risk you know trying to slide Jake Fromm to a practice squad spot where someone can just come up and snatch him? I think if you look at the Bears roster right now, they have it established veteran quarterback who can start in Nick Foles, they still have a developmental quarterback on the roster in Mitch Trubisky. So the way I see it is I don't care. This idea that you have to take a quarterback every year was, this is one of those Patriots fallacies where everyone thinks what the Patriots do works. It doesn't work for anybody else. They have a genius running the organization. No one else has that. You don't have to take a quarterback every year. I like Fromm's ability. I like his brain. I actually think he's a better player than Mitch Trubisky, but I think the Bears are going to still try to get what they can get out of Mitch, 
especially this year, and hope he develops into something. But uh, I'm not surprised they didn't take a quarterback. Would you be surprised if by May the 4th that they uh, do pick up that fifth-year option? Seems like a long shot at this point. They've only got till what is it, I think, Monday to do so. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think they're going to pick it up. And I think the primary reason is optics. You know, it's not a guaranteed mm, yeah. contract. Uh, but I think if you pick up the option, it sends a message to your fan base that I don't think they want to send. I think the message they want to send is, we're not happy with how this kid has progressed. And that fifth-year option, by not picking it up, I think it sends that message. And maybe it lights a fire under him. I think Mitch is at that stage of his career now where it's sort of put up or shut up. Yep. And you know the Bears, as I've told you guys in the past, they tried to deal him uh, over the course of this spring. There weren't many takers, if any. So if Mitch, if anything can light a fire under him right now to get him to go out there and just be better on the field, I don't think you're picking up that fifth-year option, and, and I don't think the Bears have much interest in Mitch Trubisky beyond this year. Jeff, I, I thought they were going to target the safety position starting opposite Eddie Jackson. You got a, a bunch of guys there, but nobody certainly with the resume at this point. They didn't go that direction. Who do you like out of the group? Well, they, didn't they pick up Gibson yesterday? Did they? I think so, yeah. Okay, well, that will certainly Deshaun help. Gibson from <laughs> Texans, right? Yeah. From the Texans. Yeah, so, so, so the Bears made two critical free agent signings in the last few days. Uh, Deshaun Gibson will come in now and start at strong safety opposite yeah. Eddie Jackson. I think that's a terrific one-year vet signing. They also signed Ted Ginn, and mm. I think the Ted Ginn signing should not be overlooked. They, they are were looking to replace Taylor Gabriel. Taylor Gabriel was not great in that locker room. He was hypercritical of Mitch Trubisky on the field, in the locker room, and in my DMs. And anybody, <laughs> who would to Taylor, and anybody who would listen to Taylor Gabriel, he would talk to you. So Ted Ginn is a great locker room guy. Can run that same route tree Taylor Gabriel ran. And Ryan Pace uh, sincerely trusts him because he's still very close to the Saints guys and they talk all the time. And Ted Ginn will allow Darnell Mooney, the, the other fifth-round pick, to sort of come along uh, at a slower pace. You know, I wrote about this... Uh, yesterday, we don't know what the off-season program is going to look like. We don't know if there's going to be preseason. We don't know when the season's going to start. The idea that you're expecting rookies at any point in this draft to come in and make an immediate impact, I think, is a bit far-fetched. I mean, I think you're even the top-line rookies this year aren't going to make an impact till mid-season at best because they're simply not going to get the hands-on coaching they require to make that impact. So. These kind of one-year veteran signings are going to be key to get off to a good start in this season. What we we, we got to get more Taylor Taylor Gabriel shooting you messages on <laughs> on Instagram on Twitter and, and tell you how much he hates Taylor Trubisky. Gabriel. <laughs> Taylor Gabriel, you know, he was fighting with one of my writers. Oh, I went and apologized to him in DM. Just said, "Listen, let's keep this peaceful." That's not where it stopped. I'll just tell you that much. And <laughs> and it, it it was what was happening in that offensive building in October, and I started to write about it without getting explicit about it. There was just a lot of people, Matt Nagy, Taylor Gabriel, some offensive linemen, they really stopped believing in the quarterback. And it's very hard for an offense to run when you don't trust the guy taking the snap, getting you into protections, reading defenses, when you don't trust his ability to do any of that stuff. And listen, Taylor Gabriel was missed on wide-open patterns six or seven times this year. That's hundreds of yards. Mm. That's points. That's first down. That's money in his bank account that he's not seeing because he doesn't have those 300 yards of extra offense on the stat line. So I get why he was upset. I don't necessarily agree with how he showed that upset. I mean, 
I'm the last person you should be talking to. But th- this is what was happening in that building, and I think that is why Nick Foles was brought in. They needed a stable, professional guy to run the offense and just calm the waters. Interesting. Jeff, i got to get your perspective on the, uh, the other three teams in the NFC North. Who did you, uh, who did you think drafted well uh, last weekend? And conversely, I mean, I'm guessing the answer is the Packers was the head-scratcher, but uh, your, your thoughts on the other three teams, what they did to get better? I think the Lions got good players. I think the Vikings did a excellent job of sort of beginning that process of this what what it looks like is going to try to be an overnight rebuild of their defense. Mm-hmm. They got they got talent in this draft. Uh, we could talk about the Packers all week long. We shouldn't, <laughs> right. but I I simply don't understand the idea of drafting a guy who is not intending to take the field for two or three years in the current structure of the NFL. One thing being left out of these conversations is when Aaron Rodgers was drafted, the NFL was different. A quarterback could sit for two or three years. You had already put the investment into the player, so you were going to see that investment out. Now, you don't have to really put that investment into year five. So the question is, at what point are they going to want to see what this kid is in order to decide whether to make that investment? Which means that's why Aaron Rodgers is upset. He knows he's got two, three more years in him, but there's no chance he's going to be given those years in Green Bay. And, and I'll just say this about Aaron Rodgers. If you're asking a Bears fan right now, what's the best case scenario for this division? It's getting Aaron Rodgers out of it. I don't care if that's next year. I don't care if that's the year after. When he's not on the field, we will all breathe a sigh of relief. He has tormented all three teams in this division for a decade. The Packers have mismanaged that organization for 25 years, but they've had two legendary quarterbacks cover up their mistakes. There's no excuse, Aaron Rodgers, to only be in one Super Bowl. No excuse. That's organizational mismanagement. He's called them out on it. McCarthy called them out on it. And now, of course, he's telling Favre and telling people he's upset. He wanted a receiver. He was on the airwaves telling people he wanted a receiver. And he got his replacement instead. Man, that's a gut punch. Yep, couldn't agree with you more. Jeff Hughes, thebearsblog.com. Jeff, thanks for coming on, as always. We'll talk to you in a few weeks once we uh, get our eyes on the schedule, if not before. Thank you, Jeff. All right, talk soon, guys. Good to talk to you. Jeff Hughes, thebearsblog.com, thebearsblog.com. Here's a story. Uh, from the Chicago Tribune. Did you know this about Andre Dawson? The Hall of Famer, I the might hawk? add. The Hawk. Do you know what he is? I mean, he's, he's still working. Do you know what his job is? I have no idea. He's a mortician. Really? Apparently he owns a funeral home. He's a mortician. Andre Dawson. Always going to have business. Yeah, sadly, you're right. Um, but, I mean, that, that kind of caught me out of the blue. Yeah. Right? I mean, how much money do you think he made in his career? Well, certainly not what he would have made had he been born a little bit later. Right. My guess is, are you going to look? I am. All right, so my guess is 70. 70 million? Yeah. I was at like 20. So let's see. Pro, you on reference, pro baseball reference? I am. Uh, baseball reference. Here we go. The Hawk. Career earnings. I can never find that. It's way at the bottom. That tab. Career earnings. Andre Dawson. Still scrolling. All right, I'm going to beat you. Yeah, I think you. Oh, here we go. Twenty six point nine million. That's it. Jeez. His first season. Yeah. 
1977, he was still in the minors, but must have been a signing bonus of 25 Gs. <laughs> His first season in the majors. He didn't make the majors until he was 27. $1.2 million. High water mark. Age 39 with the Bo Sox. Uh, $4.8 million. Crazy. 4.8, 4.4 in his last two years in Florida, $500,000. That's nuts. That's nuts. So The most money he made, you're right, was the two years. He was 38 and 39 uh, with, with the Red Sox. Invested in a funeral home. I guess, yeah. Now he's a mortician. 20, hmm. 20 just shy of $27,000. Crazy. We will take a time out before we do that. I want to let you know that KXNO and iHeartRadio want to help you with your bills. Text the keyword LOVE to 200. 200 right now. It's your chance to win $1,000. That's LOVE to 200, 200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Tom Kickert on the Hawks. Alex Halstead on the Cyclones. Before we run out of our number one in the second hour, we'll play Governor Reynolds' press conference. We're going to talk to Randy Wehofer from the Iowa Cubs. I'll do a little minor league uh, conversation with Randy Wehofer if they're hearing anything uh, at the ballpark as to when they might resume. What if they have a drop-dead deadline? Um, not sure they do, but we'll ask Randy Wayhofer. We talk to him in about an hour. Trent and I until noon. It's Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO 106. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Hi, Miller and Con, the Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, with you until noon. Before we're the 11 o'clock hour, we will hear from Alex Halstead on Iowa State. But right now, Tom Kakert, HawkeyeReport.com. Boy, the Hawkeye media has been busier than you would think during these times. Good to see Tom Kakert joins the program. Tom, Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on, Tom Kakert. How are you? Doing well, and you're right. It has been uh, hopping. A little bit. It's been nice. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely has. By the way, before we get into it, I know that you've got a uh, an offer going on at Rivals, in particular HawkeyeReport.com, uh, going premium. Why don't you share that with our audience, Tom? Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, it's probably one of our best offers that we've ever had, to be honest. You're uh, you know, sign up for a free trial if you're you know a, a new subscriber, and uh, we'll give you... Uh, Everything uh, that we're doing for free and get into the lounge and everything and until September 1st. So um, when we hopefully will be talking about the first week of football. Yeah, I've had the sounds of things. Well, June 1st was an important day. We'll get into that. But I want to start with basketball before we get to football, Tom, because, look, I thought it was great that McCaffrey – uh, met with you guys, um, and there was a lot of news came out of it. My biggest takeaway, honestly, was I, I'm. It's hard not to root for Patrick McCaffrey, at least from where I sit. The the health problems that he's going through, and uh, his dad, Coach McCaffrey, uh, gave a very, uh, I thought, a, a terrific update yesterday. He's up over 200 pounds for the first time, so he's putting on weight. Uh, he's able to hold that weight. Uh, I thought that that was of all the news that came out, and it was a pretty worthwhile time for you guys yesterday. Uh, the Patrick McCaffrey news moved my needle yeah i thought that was uh 
really positive news. Um, you know, we, uh, we've we been able to visually see that Jordan Bohannon's getting better, and we assume, you know, ACLs, you just kind of know that process with Jack Nungy, but you don't know with Patrick and the fact that he's over 200 pounds and, and doing what he can do uh, right now is is just very, very good news, and that's a, a great sign. Now, the thing with Patrick is when he's lost weight, it's been because he gets back to practicing and playing a lot of basketball and that's when they've had the the weight management issues so that'll be the next step is you know if they can get back going or when they get back going uh then they can uh, uh you know maybe see uh how he does Iowa basketball, no exempt tournament this year for the Hawks. They'll be playing in the Gavit Games, ACC Big Ten Challenge. Of course, the ACC, uh, the Iowa State game. But it looks like the Amanda Hawkeye Classic is coming back. Mm. Here we go. Yeah. It's the first time I had to look it up since 2007 <laughs> when uh, wow. it was uh, Lick's, for, Lick's first year. Oh, uh, and they lost to Louisiana Monroe in the first game. That was coming off losing three in a row in South Padre. Oh, my. Lick era got off to a great start. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I didn't realize that. They, That's, they, did, they, 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 they did beat Eastern Illinois in the second game of the, the Hawkeye Challenge. The third place, not bad. That That's maybe a high watermark for Lick Squad, being able to pull that <laughs> off. So since they're not going to be playing in the exempt tournament, no Maui, no you know those big dates that you get, would you anticipate last year they played Cincinnati, which certainly wasn't a huge national game as a BTN game, but some kind of one-off, some kind of neutral court game against a big-name opponent? You're talking about a preseason top-10 team. You want to do something to get at least a little bit of juice, don't you? Yeah, and Fran even said that yesterday, that they're going to do something like that, like they've done. Uh, you know, they did the, the thing with uh, Colorado out in South Dakota yep. a couple of years ago, too, and I kind of wonder if they're going to go back to that thing um, out in South Dakota and and okay. play out there in that uh, in the, the Pentagon place uh, out there in uh, Sioux Falls and see if they can do something there. That just kind of made me think that maybe that's a possibility. But the, they'll find something that'll be pretty good. Um, you remember last year that that event at uh, at the United Center, and then the other game was Colorado and Dayton. Right. And it turns out that the two players of the year <laughs> really? in college basketball were on the same court in, on December 22nd last year in <laughs> Chicago. I forgot all about that angle, Tom. You're 100% correct. Well, let's get to yesterday uh, and more from yesterday. And uh, that was uh, Iowa President Bruce Harold, who's, I think the quote was, eyeing June the 1st as a return to practice. I mean, I, I'm, I'm glad that date is out there. We're all looking forward to that. Everyone's, uh, you know, sports fans in the state's fingers are crossed that that's feasible, Tom. Um, did that surprise you when June the 1st was thrown out there? And, you know, from where you sit, uh, what's the likelihood? Yeah, that uh, that did surprise me when he said that. Um, I thought he maybe not get you know. I didn't even know they were having a meeting with the regents, so uh, it just surprised. It kind of came out of nowhere. I was like, "Where is Bruce Harold, and why is he saying these things?" Uh, I, I I was I would have maybe expected he'd be a little more vague about a date or um, you know maybe be, you know. I, I think it's more aspirational than anything else, okay. but. Um, and, and let's be clear, they're not going to be practicing June 1st. They just return to, like, start working out with Coach Doyle is what they probably be doing in small groups. And Chris met with us this week, and, you know, via Zoom, and, and you know, he's drawn up plans uh, and consulting with the medical people and 
uh, trying to get things figured out uh, about when the lid does get lifted, uh, what, how they can operate. So um, there's everybody's working on that. You know, I had talked to some people covering Nebraska, and they thought that uh, their players were going to because May fourth was like the the um, the Big Ten number right now and or date when when uh, they were going to decide what they were going to do moving forward. Uh, and they thought that the Nebraska players were going to get back in the in the, in for workouts starting like May fifth. So uh, maybe that's going to be June first. Uh, now I, I think they kind of have to set a, a universal thing for Big Ten schools mm-hmm. just because uh, you don't want somebody to get a competitive advantage. Uh, getting a big leg up there. You have also the component. It's great with the University of Iowa Hospital there where. You certainly have more things that can be done, testing that can be done on that avenue, and, and probably gives a place like the University of Iowa a leg up. Now, the Big Ten as a whole has many of these medical schools that are there and, and the hospitals that go along yes. with it, but certainly you'd have to figure an advantage for the University of Iowa and the football program. Yeah, well, you don't have to go far. Right. <laughs> yes. yep. It's essentially right across the street from the football uh-huh. complex, so it's not a long drive uh, to get to uh, – U of I healthcare and um, yeah, they'll probably have something set up and it's going to be interesting. Um, you know, I, I just, you know, I was telling some people last night, I said, I, I just think this next month, this month of May is going to kind of determine yep. what's going to happen with all of sports yep. and, you know, baseball, basketball, hockey, uh, football. Um, and it's almost like all of the leagues are kind of playing a game of chicken right now mm-hmm. to see who's going to go first. And football has the advantage because they don't have to play until September, so they can kind of wait. But I, you know, I get the sense baseball might be the the one that jumps first into uh, seeing if this can work or not. Uh, my last thing for you, Tom, when you when you had uh, Coach Doyle earlier in the week, did you did the fact that you know playing early in 2021 and then seemingly coming back again in September of 2021 and who knows how long you know whether you it trickles into February, it trickles into March. I know they want to play it because it just generates so much money. But did he have an opinion on you know playing that many games in a in, in a quote you know shorter calendar year? Yeah, he and Kirk are kind of in lockstep on that, just worrying about the, the you know, general health and, and welfare of the, the student athletes who would participate in something like that. So I think that's um that's gonna be the, the driving force on on that front and um and there if that happens they're gonna have to manage uh, you know, those guys in that in between period uh, way differently than they normally would. Finally, Tom, we know you like to dabble in sports wagering. We haven't had sports to to wager on here over the last six, seven weeks. But Elite Sportsbook out of Riverside, they have released the point spread for 11 of the 12 Iowa games this football season. The only one not on there is the UNI game. What jumped off the page? Because I know you looked at these lines, Tom. <sighs> I may have. May have uh, perused them, and we may be doing a <laughs> podcast and probably discuss those more in depth. Uh-huh. But uh, boy, I, I, I would, I'll take Iowa in the the you know uh, getting seventeen and a half at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. I'd probably take Purdue as a nine point dog, nine and a half point dog yeah. uh, against uh, you know at Iowa. I just against Iowa. I just think that that's a dangerous game mm-hmm. when you got. Rondale Moore healthy and yep. David Bell. Yep. Boy, I, I, I'd probably jump on the boilers. 
What's the Cyhawk number? Three. A solid field goal. And, and how did you keep this under your hat 40 minutes into our show? I, I'm shocked that you were able to keep this. I was waiting for Tom. Well, uh, good We're going to get into it a little deeper, I think. All right. Tom, listen, thank you. We'll talk to you in a week's time, Tom Caker, HawkeyeReport.com. Tom, one more time. I know it's till the end of uh, May, but we're going to help you uh, promote this, uh, this uh, the offer going on at HawkeyeReport.com. Yeah, thank you for that. And, uh, by the way, expect some recruiting news here in a, in a mm. little bit that might be interesting for Central Iowa. Uh, it, whoa. <laughs> I think I think A receiver? Know. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> All right. There you very, go. very interesting. Uh, what, uh, what do you got going on, Tom? HawkeyeReport.com, uh, free trial through the, through the 1st of September? Yep, first of September. It's running uh, all this month, so uh, you can just sign up. It's it's risk free, and you can cancel at any time. So hope everybody will stop by and uh, register and and uh, sign up to be a subscriber. Tom, thank you. We'll talk to you in a week. Oh, thank you, guys. Good to Bye-bye. talk to you. A little uh, recruiting nugget, perhaps? Huh? Uh, maybe where you live. Sounds like it I think so. Wide receiver. Like yep. Brody Brecht. He, I saw he had dropped it to his final two. Uh huh. Looks like did I you was see, feeling confident. Yeah. What did he run this past weekend? Did you see? It was like a handheld ridiculous time, right. wasn't it? Incredibly fast. He's awesome. He's such a great athlete. Watching him on the baseball field last year, taking that team. It was eight sophomores, including him, a year ago to the state tournament. He's got the long, flowing hair coming out. Watching him on the football field. Just a great athlete. Well, sounds like there might be some positive news if you're a Hawkeye fan coming here after maybe any minute. Yeah. As Tom Kaker dropped that one on us, we will hear from Alex Halstead, 24-7 Sports, CycloneAlert.com. That's next. Miller and Condon till noon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. KXNO and 106. Condon. Point Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Let's get Alex Halstead in here, CycloneAlert.com, 24-7 Sports. Alex, Trent, Ken, thanks for coming on. Where I want to start with you is um, after kind of going back and forth, one minute we think that there's no going to, there, there won't be any transfers deemed immediately eligible. Then we're told, eh, not so fast. Maybe that's still going to happen. But as of yesterday, a lot of media outlets reporting that this, that these immediate eligible transfers will not get that one time, um, uh, permission, I guess, to to do so until 2021. So, guys that Prom uh, is kicking the tires on to you know to get here in hopes that they'd be immediately eligible. Sounds now that they won't be. Yeah, and that's that's obviously going to really affect uh, the one situation they have going right now, which is you know Tyler Harris. Um, you know, the the hope I think from Harris and probably Iowa State was that you know instead of sitting one to play two, uh, he was going to have the opportunity to. Um, to be immediately eligible. And so that not happening, I think, obviously changes the outlook a little bit for next year. Now, with that said, they still have the three scholarships open, and so it's going to be interesting to see what kind of uh, they target and are able to get. You know, when you look at Wake, um, Wake Forest transfer, John D. Brown, obviously he's declared for the NBA draft, and he's got to make a decision between his four finalists and the NBA. But uh, say he picked Iowa State, he is a grad transfer. So it's going to be interesting to see in the next several months with those three open scholarships what they're able to get. Uh, because, uh, you know, like you said, Harris has probably ruled out of that question, and so you really have not changed your outlook for next season with the one get so far. 
Where are we right now as it pertains to some of those other names out there? Still scholarships to fill. Fill us in on some of the names that they're still chasing that are out there in the transfer market. Yeah, there's a few. Um, you know, that, that's the thing right now is there's there's not a lot going on for them right now. And so, you know, I think John D. Brown's one that they just have to wait on. I think he's going to go through the NBA draft process. And obviously there's not much of a process to that. There's no uh, NBA combine. And so really for him, it's just getting feedback and then making a decision. And um, if I'm thinking off the top of my head right now, you know, Iowa State, LSU, Gonzaga, Illinois, uh, those are the four. And so he's got to make a decision between those four or the NBA. Now, Iowa State's Obviously, in that mix, he would be an immediate impact. He's probably the biggest name that they're uh, still in on. And then the transfer from DePaul, um, uh, Love, is is one that's going to be interesting to watch as well. But I haven't heard much on where things are kind of going with him right now, but he's obviously another big transfer. And so, you know, those are two of the main names that we've seen right now. They've, they've kind of stuck in or missed on some others that they've made finalist groups for. And so it's still kind of status quo. And you're still seeing in recent days and throughout this week that there's still several guys that are entering the transfer portal. And so I think some of it's going to be them having to remain patient. But as we've talked about before, there's only, you know, so much time for them. Um, but I think, you know, they don't want to take guys just to take guys. And uh, like you said, with that transfer, that, that changes a lot for not only Tyler Harris, but guys around the country. There were a lot of guys that were transferring with uh, sit-out possibilities, thinking that they were going to be able to be immediately eligible. And that changes the outlook for Iowa State. Uh, with Harris and, and maybe other guys that they're looking at on that sit-out um, role, but also a lot of programs that have taken sit-outs that were hoping they would be eligible next season. Football program's been busy uh, loading up on their uh, 2021 class. Boy, oh boy, it seems like there's hardly a day go by where there's not news out of the football offices. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, they just wrapped up, obviously, now the month of April, and they went from five commits entering April to now 12 commits as they enter May. So seven commits in the month of April, and um, it, it was busy, expect, especially when you factor in the, the the point that there was no on-campus visits and, and any. So the fact that they were still able to land commitments, I think, uh, kind of goes back to what uh, Matt Campbell told us back in the early part of the month, was that they thought relationships would play a big part. And, and that's true. I talked to a few of the guys, or I think I've talked to all of them that have committed throughout the month, but a few of the guys have not even visited. You know, two of the linebackers from Ohio have not visited, mm. but they've built close relationships with linebackers coach Tyson Vite. But that's what's going to be interesting as we go forward, is you're seeing a lot of commitments around the country. I think April is probably uh, busier than most other years in April. But you're seeing guys make decisions without taking visits or making decisions before they take their official visits because they're assuming those official visits in June might be canceled. When you look at the two linebackers who committed to Iowa State earlier this month or even just within the last week, um, they were both probably going to be camp kids that went around the country, or not around the country necessarily, but at least around the Midwest. You know, Both of them had told me they had interest in, in camping places, but camps probably aren't happening, so you're seeing kids commit because they don't want to miss out on opportunities uh, since those camps and potential offers aren't going to happen. But even with that said, you saw yesterday, two of Iowa State's April commits have now received Power 5 offers. Running back, Deion Silas, yesterday got offered by TCU, um, and their cornerback from Florida, uh, Noah Biglow got offered by Duke. And so you're seeing schools now offer kids even when they're not able to get out here in late April and into May for the spring evaluation period. So this is, this recruiting cycle is going to be quite a bit different, and it's going to be interesting to watch us if we see more late offers of schools trying to come in and compete with, uh, you know, commits, and if you see more decommitments later in the cycle as kids actually get on these visits that – you know, they're kind of committing sight on scene. You know, there's a, a couple of kids over on the eastern part of the state that are interesting too. TJ Bowlers, who has a host of big time offers, Iowa State still in the mix for him. And then a kid from Davenport Assumption, an offensive lineman 
Iowa has not offered him. It looks like they filled up kind of their offensive line class here over the last week, week and a half. Tyler Morrow, who just picked up an Oregon offer, don't see that happening very often from Davenport Assumption. What can you tell us about those two recruitments? Yeah, well, the, the, the first thing is Bowlers is down to six, and um, you know it's Iowa State, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Northwestern, Cal, and Alabama. Um, obviously, that's a wide range of different schools. He's uh, looking in engineering, and so some some of those schools fit that mold for him, and that's been a big part for him. Uh, he's supposed to take some official visits in June, one of them to Iowa State. Um, the question is, can those visits happen? And so depending on what happens there, we'll see if that timeline gets extended or if he commits to a place without taking officials. He's been to most of the places, um, at least Iowa State, Nebraska, um, and Wisconsin he's been to. I'm not sure if he's been to Northwestern, but uh, you know, obviously he wants to get out and see um, – you know, Alabama after that offer and that sort of thing, but that's still kind of up in the air. I think uh, the thought right now is Iowa State, Nebraska, Wisconsin are probably the main three. Um, there's still some thought that uh, it might take some work to keep them in the state uh, in uh, have them commit to Ames, but I think Iowa State's definitely right in that mix. Morrow's the interesting one because, you know, he really entered the spring without any Power 5 offers. He was more so of a Mac kid, and then Syracuse and Wake Forest offered. It didn't really move the needle a ton, and then you saw – Iowa State off the last week, and since then it's been hmm. kind of the floodgates have opened. You mentioned Oregon, UCLA, Kansas State, um, and several other Power Fives as well have also entered that mix. I think he's up to 10 Power Five offers after really entering um, uh, the spring without any. And so he's going to be interesting. But the thing there is it's a lot of projection going on. You know, most of those schools probably have not even been to Davenport to see him. And so they're solely going off film, whereas normally they would come out to Iowa uh, here in this month of May and watch him work out. And so you're seeing a lot more evaluations based off film and sight on scene. And um, a kid like him, it's, it's helping him right now. And it's going to be interesting to see because, you know, how soon can he start to get out to these schools? And um, does that you know, delay a, a, an eventual decision? Alex Halstead, CycloneAlert.com, part of 24-7 Sports. Alex, thank you. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Okay, sounds great. Thanks, guys. Yeah, good to talk to you. Alex Halstead on Iowa State. All right, we will uh, start the hour, the 11 o'clock hour, with Kim Reynolds' uh, press conference, at least portion of it. Talk Randy Wayho from the Iowa Cubs at the bottom of the 11 o'clock hour. We're with you until just before noon. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.